How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory forever. Amen. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this evening after our hearts were exalted by these songs and hymns and psalms. We come before you after we read in Jeremiah that you are the one who searches the heart. Father, these words can only touch our ears. If you will not take them from our ears to put them in our hearts and to change our heart accordingly to your will. We pray that you will meet with us this evening and that you will show us a bit of what is practical worship, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now, we will look at this text in a, in a different manner, in the sense that we will start with the end. Um, we will uh, first... We will build up the scenery, the, the background of what we will be talking about. And after that, we will see what the living sacrifice, what, how this living sacrifice is a spiritual worship. And we will hopefully understand what that means, a spiritual worship. After that, we will see that the only means that we can do that is by the means of the mercies of God. And hopefully at the end, we will see practically what it means to bring our bodies as a living sacrifice. Now, after 11 chapters that were spent by Paul in um, unveiling, in explaining in detail and clearly the doctrinal truth, the, the, the strong doctrinal truth of condemnation, justification, um, sanctification, glorification, election, predestination. He reaches the stop. He reaches the, 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 the final, the, the, the top of the mercies of God. And he cannot go any further. And he stops and worships. It's like, I cannot go any further. And, and this reminds me of the words of Gregory of Nazians in the 4th century. He, he was saying that, I'm thinking, I'm meditating on God. And I'm thinking about who God is. And I'm thinking that he is three persons in one. And I think of the one, but I cannot think of the three. And my mind stops. And then I need to step aside. And with my eyes in tears, worship the creator. This is an image of what Paul is doing here. He stops. 
to worship. He cannot go any further without worshiping the God. In a sense, it's showing us that the, the, the whole purpose of 11 chapters of strong doctrine is worship. Nothing else. Worship. This is the essence of Paul's worship. That from him, through him, and to him are all things. Um, This is what it means, the word therefore, from verse 1. It says, I appeal to you therefore. This therefore refers to the first 11 chapters of the book. Therefore, this is why I'm telling you this. Because what we've seen in the first 11 chapters, and if you, if you, if you are unfamiliar with these 11 chapters, I urge you to read them. It won't take you longer than an hour to read the, the 11 chapters of doctrinal truth from Romans. Um, this, is, this is where he makes the transition from doctrine to worship. In a sense, this is, this is Paul taking the, the product from the factory and bringing to marketplace. He's, he's taking the diamond out of the earth and, and putting it on a displaying unit. It's, it's like, to, to use scripture words, is like taking the light out of the basket and put it in the middle of the street. This is what Paul is, is doing here. Now, his attitude, which is part of our background, his attitude in saying these words is not a quiet one. He he starts his sermon with a a strong attitude. He says, I appeal to you, therefore. I appeal, or I urge you, or um, I'm asking you, I implore you. In a sense, I want to move you towards worship. Paul is not, if we look closely, Paul is not offering an option here. Paul is not putting a motion on the table to be debated, to be discussed. He's not putting, um, he's not asking opinions. He's presenting the right way of worship. This is not optional. This is mandatory. This is if you want to use this language, a law of Christ. Now, this is our background. And uh, we will start with the end. What does it mean, a spiritual worship? And I'm going to pronounce this word, spiritual, in Greek. And you will, you will figure out what the English word is. It's a logikos worship. From which we have the word logic in English. Wow, this is a logic, logical way of worshipping. Um, scripture tells us of the unregenerate individuals that they are futile in their thinking. That means they have a broken logic. They have a darkened Logic, their means of reason are corrupted, darkened, and irrational. And I will read for you um, a couple of verses so we can understand the state 
of an unregenerated mind. So uh, in Romans chapter 1, Paul is describing this with these words. But they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools. The same Paul in um, Ephesians this time. In chapter 4, he's telling, he's describing the same people, but from the human perspective. When he says, now this I say and testify in the Lord that you must no longer walk as the Gentiles do in the futility of their minds. They are darkened in their understanding, alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them. Due to their hardness of heart, they have become callous and have given themselves up to sensuality, greedy to practice every kind of impurity. This, in a few words, is a broken, a darkened logic, a darkened way of reasoning. Um, you see, the, the, the man was created to glorify God. We, 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 we all know the, the, probably we all know the question, what is the chief end of man? To glorify God and to enjoy him forever. This is the, the, the purpose of man. This is why man was created. This is, um, this is why God made him. But when man disobeyed God in, in the Garden of Eden, his mind became darkened. And with a broken logic, the man started to worship himself. And as the centuries have gone by, what happened is that men built up a philosophical system, a system of thinking in that sense. And they created, the man created for himself a religion of himself, about himself. That is, regardless of what gods they were worshipping, it was always about the man the fulfillment, the joy, the, the, the happiness of men. It was never about God. This is what, this is the, the result of a darkened way of reasoning. We look at, at our world today and, um, and we see all re recent or not so recent social movements like gender fluidity, uh, homosexuality, uh, LGBTQ and any other stuff. This is the result of a broken and darkened mind. A darkened way of reasoning, a darkened logic. Their logic doesn't function the, in the way it should anymore. Now on the other side, the Christian mind is taken out of this mess and is being reshaped through the knowledge of the gospel, the power of the Holy Spirit, and now the mind of a saved individual is looking for godly things. Is no, lo is no longer looking for his own pleasure. He's looking how he may please God. Uh, considering this renewed mind, the priorities have changed. The perspective has have changed. And one more thing, the way of reasoning has changed. And Paul makes the distinction so clearly in his letters. For the unregenerated mind, the cross is madness. 
for a child of God, the cross is the way. You see the difference between a, a broken logical, a, a broken way of reasoning and the right one. Um, again, the scripture brings light to how a renewed mind acts. Um, and I will again read the verse for you from, from Ephesians uh, chapter 1 verse um, 18. Having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Worshipping God is the logical thing to do for a Christian. But, before going further, we need to question ourselves. Is my mind renewed? Do I long for the things of Christ? Do I desire to know Christ more? Do I cry out like Moses? Lord, show me your glory. Is that the way I'm reasoning? Is that my logic? Is that my way of thinking? If not, I need to kneel before God and ask for mercy. And forgiveness. Now, this is the logical thing for a Christian with a renewed mind to do, to worship and to live for God's glory. But let's see how we are going to do that. Because it might look like a mystery. Okay, this is, this is the way, this is what I need to do. This is the logical way of doing things. But how am I going to do it? Well, it's... In the first verse, it says, by the mercies of God. And the Greek construct of this phrase is so sweet. And it brings a bit of that sweetness to, uh, in our translation as well. Because it uses not by the mercy of God, but it uses the plural. By the mercies of God. Now, um, there is the mercy that is in God, and there is the mercy that flows out from God. Mercy as a spring, and mercy as a stream. Both of those riches are included here. And be before we look at what um, they are, we need to look at their essence. You see, it says here very clearly that they are God's mercies. They're not ours. They're not our leader. They don't belong to anyone else. They are God's mercies. Um, he's the owner of them. And it is him who poured them upon us. They are an expression of his love. And if we want to see them in detail, again, I urge you, when you go home, read Romans 1 to 11. And you'll have, a, 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 in an hour, you'll get a glimpse of what God's mercies are. Um, what are his mercies? Well, we receive from him every day the fruits of his mercy. For example, mercy for our bodies. 
Isn't that true? Uh, he made them. He made our bodies. He maintains our bodies. He bought our bodies. He has put such a great dignity into our bodies. And it's the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed at this very moment. Because of our sin. But the greatest mercy of all is that Christ has made himself an offering for sin. And that he gave himself for us. And he's continually giving himself for us. Because he's interceding in the heavens. Now, until we will understand how much we owe to the mercies of God, we will still want to hold something for us. We will remain selfish in our worship. We will not worship as we should. We will lack in all spiritual matters. This is what I, I'm pleading for. This is what I, I'm asking for, brothers and sisters, to go home and pray. But don't, don't, don't pray with your words. Try to pray with God's own words. Try use those words of God from Ezekiel. When he says that he will open up our chest and he will pull out the heart of stone and he will place a heart of, of flesh inside that we might feel that we might have a sense of the sinfulness of our sin and the glory of his mercies and then we can bow down and worship the king we don't know what his mercies are we don't understand them And worse than that, we are unable to see the sinfulness of our sin, the gravity of our sin. Now, uh, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. Now, there is nothing mystical in this verse. Um, we are not called to be slain by the Spirit, as some charismatics do. We are not called to, to uh, build up an imaginary altar right here, and to, uh, in, with our imagination, to place our body in this altar and, says God, and say, God, this is my body, please take it and do whatever you want with him. But at the end, I'll take it with me and I'll go home and do whatever I want. There's nothing mystical about it. It's so practical. Um, why is he mentioning, why is Paul mentioning living sacrifice? Why is he using this expression, living sacrifice? Well, I think, um, of course, we know that in the Old Testament it was a dead sacrifice that was presented to God. An animal was slain and placed on the altar. And now I, I think there are two reasons for that, why, why Paul mentions that. Firstly, is to make the contrast between a dead sacrifice and a living one. And one of the big differences between a, 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 a dead sacrifice and a living one is that the dead one will stay on the altar. 
and the living one will try to run away. This might sound a bit, a bit shallow, but isn't this truth? Isn't this the truth for all of us? When it comes to sacrificing ourselves, aren't we running away? Aren't we running away for another hour of praying? Aren't we running away from waking up in the middle of the night to pray for solihull? That God's glory may be seen, may be revealed in the midst of us. Aren't we running away from a life of sacrifice? Of course, this is us. That's why we are a living sacrifice. This is why we need to bring ourselves back under the authority of the word of God. This is not a man speaking here. This is not Paul. In a sense, it is Paul. But you see, Paul was created that God may speak through him these words. This was the purpose of Paul's creation, that God created him and brought him on earth. And shaped him in the way he shaped Paul, that through Paul he may give us these words. That's why these words are God's words. That's why they are authoritative for us. Um, now, when, when in the morning, you remember, Brother Chris was talking about Epaphroditus. You remember that he ended up with a question, is Christianity costing you anything? Well, by what Paul says here, it should cost us everything. We should put everything under God's use. God, take everything and use them as you will. And um, in a practical way, God, take my hands. Lord, take my mouth. Take my eyes. Take my ears. Aren't we running from sacrificing those things? Aren't we running away? When it's, when we, it's, it's something about a gossip, we are all ears. When it's something about the word, I was spending some time this, a uh, uh, couple of weeks ago, I was spending some time with, with a group of Christian, uh, and uh, one of them was a student of theology, and uh, we were having lunch. And of course, we were discussing, what else? Theology. We were discussing things from God's word. And one of, one of these men stood up and said, can we, take, can, can we just take a break from talking about theology, at least when we eat? This is us trying to run away. Secondly, a living sacrifice shows the importance of the matter. And again, I will repeat what I've said earlier. Was the Old Testament animal sacrifice, was that an option? No. Was that um, a, a, um, an extra activity? 
did God give that uh, to Moses to, uh, uh, and to, to, for Moses to discuss that with the people? Would you like to do that? Would you like to sacrifice some of your animals? No. No. God gave that as a command. Our Christian life cannot be lived in a different way than a sacrificial way. This is Christian life. Life of sacrifice. Now, a final question. Um, how we respond to the Lord for all of His mercies? And what shall we render? And we, we are, of course, we are called to something true and real. We are called to a daily life of presenting ourselves as an acknowledgement of God's mercies. All we are, all we have, all we can do, because after all, after all, this is but a very poor return for the very rich receivings. And yet, because it is all we have, it is acceptable to God. This is the way God created us. He provided us with our bodies. He provided us with our minds. He provided the regeneration of our minds. How are we going to respond to the scripture's commandment? Um, our attitude to scripture, to these words that Paul said here, will reveal our attitude to God. The attitude we have towards God's word is the attitude we have towards God. Uh, brothers and sister, sisters, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. Let's stand and worship God once again with this wonderful hymn. Oh God, beyond all praising, we worship you today. May, may this would be a reality in the week to come. Let's stand and worship.